Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. If you use everything for your own healing, and I don't mean that in an airy-fairy way. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I speak as a victim of abuse, as a victim of rape, as a victim of assault, but I, and and none of that was okay. And a lot of it was damaging. And I do think that my, and I have three siblings, one who doesn't function and two who have suicided. Yeah. I kind of think my organic gift was not blaming myself because that I did not do. I said, oh, you are a perverse shit. I have been injured. What am I going to do with this? I'm going to make sure I'm never in that position again while still being open to good experiences. How do I do that? And, you know, at the age of when horrible things were happening, I, I was so lucky to have that inside of me. And I think a lot of it's genetics, you know, that resilience of genetics. And so what I, and, and it, it gave me my purpose, which is how do we take what is and create what can be from it, even if what is kind of sucks. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet ya. Have some tequila and stay. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Practicing Intuitive and New York Times bestselling author, Laura Day. She spent almost four decades helping people develop their own innate intuitive abilities to create profound change. She shares practical uses of intuition in business and personal growth. I am on a personal growth journey. I'm on a little bit of a intuitive vibe. And apparently we all have this skill everyone is intuitive. Please do me a favor and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. You'll get an alert every time a new episode drops. And please consider leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts. Here is my episode with Laura Day. I'm in the trenches. I have a a six and a four-year-old while I'm doing this and (laughs) not balancing it great. There is no balance. It's constant. You know, it's the myth of balance because the myth of balance says that we should be in balance, but balance is a stagnant state. We are, we, what we need to be is in adaptive movement. And that looks very messy it, and it feels very messy, but actually if your children are still alive and you, uh, you know, are still alive, then you're in adaptive balance. I'm killing it. Then I'm in adaptive balance. For sure. <laughs> I, and that's the point in because people need to know that. People going through change always say to me, I feel so out of balance. I'm like, good. good. <laughs> going change. The old balance held the old pathology in place. Yeah. This is going to feel out of balance as you cross the bridge to a new balance, which then you'll be out of again when you want to make another change. I love that. It's like lean into the unbalanced or the, what'd you call it? Adaptive balance? Adaptive balance. I love that. It is, you know, I think we spend a lot of time fighting against what is. If only this were different, I would, is, you know, I hear so much. If only 
you know, I'd be okay if only I met a lover, but you don't hug your best friend. You don't talk to the person sitting next to you in the park bench. I mean, start okay. with what is. Start with good reality testing. Some of it sucks. That's the reality. But it's our job to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons and to help each other do it. Because community, yes. communities are amazing kick-ass things. Before COVID, I would go around the country and any group, you know, that had a big space, I would pay my own expenses and I would do a, a real quick little talk on healing and intuition. And then I'd say, okay, now you all do it for each other. It'd be 800 people in a, in a like unity church. I'd say, okay, now you do it for each other. I'm going to give you 10 minutes. And the whole group would turn to each other and answer each other's intuitive questions and do a laying on of hands. And then I and healers from the community would do a laying on of hands on the whole group. And it was really amazing because in a community, there are resources, even in like very impoverished communities and challenged communities. When the resources for good come together, you know, we are unstoppable as beings and actually Purpose is a better indicator of survival and health, especially in older people. Stronger indicator than smoking status, weight, you know, wealth. Strongest indicator is purpose. And, yep. and you know, to live your life purposefully, and especially in the holiday season, yeah. is so important. Because what is the purpose of going back home and getting beat up again for all the things you got beat up for your whole life? Yeah. You know? course you're triggered even by especially by people you love and who love you and who mean you well they still trigger you and harm yeah. you but but when you have purpose okay i am going home and i'm going to notice the triggers and i am going to act as if every person is really trying to to help me heal and i'm going to respond to them that way yes. thank you. yes i'm working on it um, I appreciate your caring, you know, oh my God, that blouse is a terrible color. Thank you. I, I'm going to go home and really take a look at it. I really appreciate your caring, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> and screw you. And the horse I really appreciate you taking the time to notice my sweater. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for paying attention, that careful attention that you gave to my outfit. Right. I appreciate it. And what you do internally is okay i did i don't have to take things personally where else do i do that in my life wow i'm getting such great practice here yes. at christmas dinner <laughs> you know yes. um, and it really does you know it really does um shift it if you use everything for your own healing and i don't mean that in an airy fairy way <laughs> Right. I mean, I, you know, I speak as a victim of abuse, as a victim of rape, as a victim of assault, but I, and and none of that was okay. And a lot of it was damaging. And I do think that my, and I have three siblings, one who doesn't function and two who have suicided. Yeah. I kind of think my organic gift was not blaming myself because that I did not do. I said, oh, you are a perverse shit. I have been injured. What am I going to do with this? Yeah. I'm going to make sure I'm never in that position again while still being open to good experiences. How do I do that? 
And, you know, at the age of when horrible things were happening, I I was so lucky to have that inside of me. And I think a lot of it's genetics, you know, that resilience of genetics. And so what I, and, and it, it gave me my purpose, which is how do we take what is and create what can be from it, even if what is kind of sucks. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. You said a couple of things that I don't want somebody to be like, mm, airy fairy and leave. Like when you talk about <laughs> laying on of hands or something, let's just go right there. What are some misconceptions just in case somebody's feeling skeptical about a practicing intuitive? Okay. First of all, I love skeptics. Oh. If you are not a skeptic, you are a victim. So it is important to be skeptical until something proves itself to you. On the other hand, the good scientist, and it's one of my favorite quotes, I did not make this up, um, but uh, the good scientist suspends disbelief and runs the experiment anyway. So there has been a lot of, so practicing intuitive in the early eighties, and many of you were not even born then, but I, I was, was born in 81. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I was 22 in 81. <laughs> Around that time, um, there was a lot of research going on, on ESP, the extent extended capacities of human perception. The bias was that there were unique freaks like myself, right? do things like view a remote location or tell the future or heat up water in a distant room by thinking of it. I, even at 22, knew I had nothing special. Um, it took me many, many years of therapy after to learn that I did have some special things, but that was not it. <laughs> and so what I did with that is I took the experiments that were done on me and it was supposed to be anonymous. One was televised. So I had an instant following mm -hmm. of people and companies that said, well, can you predict this? And I'd say, well, gee, I don't know, but I'll try. And so I found methodologies through just adapting to demand. Yeah. Um, and so I really don't actually have um, my morning lives are a little more esoteric uh, and more airy fairy in the sense of they're there to have people use intuition, which is your ability to move your perceptions in time and space, to predict the future, to notice your telepathy and shift it. So you have good conversations with the world, for example, yeah. to view a remote location. Oh, how is that useful? Well, you're thinking of buying a house before you go see it. Why not sketch it out and notice where you see the problems are and then check it out. You will freak yourself out how accurate you are. So as a result of kind of being defined as this very elevated freak, what I did is I took all the experiments that were done on me and created systems for companies and people to get accurate data using these abilities. That is what a, a practicing intuitive is someone who sells their ability to do that to yeah. other people or companies. And I really encourage everyone to be very careful you know, going to a, a truly practiced and ethical psychic or intuitive can be very helpful, whether you're a person or a company. But everybody makes mistakes. And what's really, I think, most helpful and what I do in the world is train people to do it in community. 
So whatever group you belong to, whether it's AA or a church group or a get together every Wednesday and bitch about life group. The PTA. (laughs) Same thing. Learn, you know, find a group of people where you can use a methodology to get non-local perception. So data about something you don't know about. And I've written six books that are really all workshops on the topic. It isn't hard to do. In fact, you're doing it all the time. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now back to squats and margaritas. Now, laying on of hands, healing is amazing. And there, once again, there's a lot of research online if you're really interested in the science. But I find that the most convincing, and remind me to speak why convincing is important, the most convincing research is the research you do on your own. Like in the mornings on my Instagram Live, I have you tag someone you don't know and answer a question that they haven't asked, they have written down at home, using your intuition. And there's a little methodology and there's a video that takes you two minutes on my site to do it. But because you're doing this all the time, it's actually easy to do. Most of what you're doing all the time until you train it is actually kind of toxic. You're feeling someone else's depression or anger and thinking it's your own. You're hearing someone else's judgment and experiencing it as your own thought. Um, you're not where you are in time and space. You're, you are at some remote location most of the time. Like you're probably at least 10% with where your kids are right now. So, you know, it's really important to not only learn to use intuition to get the information you need so you can be a better planner, but to use information, use intuition, get to know about your own intuitive states so that you can kind of clean house and just as much as possible be the only one inside of you without permission for other things. So healing, and there's also a lot of research on healing. Interestingly enough, your worst effects are when you heal your own family because we have so many hidden agendas. Mm. Um, But healing, I think of uh, intuition as mobile attention. So I might say, what will I be doing next September 15th, 2023? And if you allow yourself your attention, your five senses, it's not some sixth sense, will get a lot of impressions, which if you report may be extremely accurate for me. Healing is focused intention. So in a sense, when you make an ice cube, you're doing a healing, you're taking water, you're adding something cold, and you're creating something else. And that, that is how energy works. Physics backs it up. And everything, you know, it's interesting because I was born in 1959. We didn't really talk about the unified field. Now all the sciences from biology to astronomy are talking about mathematics, the unified field. 
we have a very interconnected energy. And that's also true of the cells of our body. There's something really interesting that happens when you, and you as a healer, that's all of you, when you create, in a sense, a space in you that is about healing someone else, and then you localize it. And I laying on of hands is a misnomer. You can do it in your head also. But mm. I actually like the practice of going to 800 people, putting my hands on them for a moment, allowing my attention and focus to move their body, see what I bump into, notice what the catalyst is to shift it, and then do it, and then anchor it. Because of course, we are composed of patterns. My anchoring technique is to put it um, except in diseases of the marrow, to put it in the marrow. So, I, so I, uh, I speak, I dialogue with the body and say, okay, marrow, this is the pattern that you are going to send out with every red blood cell you make. And it's a, once again, it really is simple. So I go around and do laying on of hands and I train people in five minutes, as long as they're a healer, whether they're a dentist or a doctor, you'd be surprised the people we get, a massage therapist, a mom, a, yeah. a hands-on dad, anyone who's a fixer in five, 10 minutes, I train them and then we go do, and of course I end up doing all 800 people because not because I'm a better healer, but because I'm the honey and the bear. So you, you know, pay more for me. You want the honey and the bear and not the same honey that you get five times as much of that might even be better in the big jar. Yeah. Um, But, and it is amazing. I mean, the, the true verifiable miracles that happen are amazing when, when you do that. And once again, you can see research, you know, in the, When I started, which was in the early 80s, we didn't have the technology to see what we see now. So now one of my favorite little pieces of research, it was uh, an experiment where I think people were in an MRI and they, I forget what exactly the technology was. And they noted that the brain responded to a photograph that a computer would generate at a future point. So it was real proof that we are all precognitive. We are all reacting to the future. Of course, what we wanna do is to react productively to the, with the future. Most of us do the deer in headlights. Oh my God, this is gonna happen. Well, it's not gonna happen if you do something about it. Yeah. Your next question is, how do I change it? Right. And I know everyone has this intuition. Everybody has this intuitive power. Are certain personalities like more, I don't know, susceptible to this energy versus others? Like are people better at it if they are this or not? Okay. Um, So really the ability to be extremely intuitive is actually a function of brain damage. So I have very severe ADHD. If I'm two blocks from my apartment where I have lived for 40 years, spatially, I'm completely lost. I mean, my husband is still astounded two blocks away because I, my brain is damaged and my executive function is extremely damaged. So although I have the ability to be very mobile in time or space or someone's body, I don't have so much ability to cross the street, which by the way, comes in very handy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I actually had, um, a detour. I, I, um, I don't know, about five years ago, I thought to myself, you know, I'm getting up there in age. And if I 
have an accident and I don't know what year it is, they're going to think dementia and not the HD. So I went and had a two day, $8,000, somewhat covered by insurance, neuropsych evaluation so that God forbid, if anything happens, I can show them my neuropsych eval and show them at 11, I had the same brain. At 53, I had the same brain. This is my brain. It is damaged and it's super good for certain things. Thankfully, that there is a demand for. Laura, the timing of this, I am quite literally being evaluated by a psychiatrist for ADHD tomorrow morning at 10. There are no coincidences. They're called synchronicities. We live in an interconnected, synchronous universe world. One thing I love about the new language around neurodiversity is that there's a silver lining. My silver lining is my entire career. My silver lining is my ability to sit down with a complete stranger and know them so well and allow the reality that they also know me and have a conversation and an interaction on that basis. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like there are a lot of silver linings in neurodiversity. And I was just reading an article on how some big investment firm is actually looking to hire on the spectrum because wow. the spectrum is a great trader, yeah. you know, certain points on the spectrum. Um, you know, it's, it's really, you know, I think that what's really um, what I'm a beautiful example of is is that you can take something that's extremely defective and you can create, you can allow its magnificence to flow through. And I think that that's really something that I hope is happening more in our culture. And certainly that's the gift of intuition and healing because healing really is, and anyone can do it, is the intention to make something better. And then you're connecting with whatever it is you want to make better, whether it's a person or a company or a situation. And you'll notice that even just in the healing, information on how to do that will rush in. Mm. And then, of course, it's acting on the information. Like, I hate a lot of these techniques from the last decade where, you know, wish it and it happens. That's Manifest. exactly yes. how it works, right. you know. <laughs> Actually, it is true that there are certain, I wrote a book called The Circle, which takes people through those elements. You definitely, a goal is a wonderful thing. Putting your heart in it is very powerful. Allowing your intuition to give you the information and to allowing your healing to pull in the synchronicity to have you connect with what what you may not have been connecting with and make the outside world aware of parts of you they may not have been aware of. That is all really wonderfully magical. And there is a point at which you have to get off your ass and do it. Right. I love people who say, oh, I'm afraid of, I'm like, yeah, and? You yeah, still do you're it. You're afraid right. and you're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. It's like public speaking. You just assume the woman up on the stage is so comfortable because she's up there. She's not, everybody feels that, but she's willing to lean into it and do it anyway. I'm an introvert and I have a prayer I say before I go on stage. And it is whoever's out there and like running the show, hopefully there's someone running the show. Um, if you're planning on ending the world, let's say in the next 48 hours, could you please do it before I go on stage where I'm sure I'm going to lose bowel and bladder control, 
throw up, faint, and say something awful. And then, though, I get on stage, and walking to the stage is the most awful thing. And I really always oh. feel a little faint and a little pleasure. <laughs> and once I'm there, I always notice someone in the audience who needs what it is I have to give. Yeah. And then they have to drag me off that stage. Yes. Blinking lights that tells you your half hour is up. They have to drag me off because there's always one more thing I want to say. You're in flow. And you're connected. I know. It's so funny you said that because I would assume you were completely comfortable speaking. My anxiety before I go on stage is even if there are 3,000 people out there, my anxiety is wandering around finding that one, yes. two, three things that they all have in common that I have to offer them. I find my trick is to is to remind myself before I feel like I'm going to throw up, mm-hmm. remind myself that I might be able to offer something to someone that will take them out of pain, that I'm speaking to a person, that it's not about me. And that if I do something stupid, which I've done, if I stumble or forget, because I have ADHD, so mid-sentence, I will forget what I'm saying. Um, My husband actually has a rule in the house that when I change topics, I need to say new topic. But (laughs) if somebody sees me humbled, you know, even embarrassed, that that might even give them the courage to do something. So I don't go up trying to be anybody. I really, I know this really sounds new age. Sorry. I go go up, you know, initially it's all about me because when we're nervous, it's all about you. Am I going to be good? Am I going to look good? Am I going to throw out or wet myself? But when I'm, as I begin my first world, it's all about you, whoever the you is. And Mm -hmm. all I want to do is give you whatever I can give you. And I allow everything in that experience. And I have like had a joke fall flat. Um, I, because of ADHD, I can't do a frame and remember it. A lot of people memorize their talks, even if they look easy. Yeah. I can't even memorize my phone number and I've had it for 40 years. Um, you know, I, but, but the one thing I can do, and actually we did this when I came on, say, Hey, we're, we're we're in the same group you know how can i serve your listeners yeah how can i serve you and because you represent your listeners having a chat with you and we had a fun chat you know having that connection because you represent your listeners i knew once we started taping for real that that um that what i said would be of use to them now, I hope that wasn't just the amount of um, margarita I had last night, and it's true. And this is you were ready for this. You were so prepared <laughs> that you drank a margarita. <laughs> no, Did no, I did it last night, but I'm such a cheap drunk. I mean, I drink half a margarita and, <laughs> and ask me to dance with a lampshade, and I will. <laughs> More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Now back to squats and margaritas. My listeners, a lot of them are moms, and a lot of them have a mind like me where I... And I mean, I'm thinking of what time I have to pick up my daughter. I know she has ballet later. I'm going to have to get her to to like, I never can turn my mind off. And I love something you said, yes, your mind is messy, but you need a filing system. You know what? One of the things I'm um, just to bring it back to intuition. Yeah. One of the things about intuition is it will give you a very undeniable alert about something you need to know. I'm going to give you a mom example. 
um, my, my when my son, who's now 30, was in nursery school, um, I just all of a sudden panicked that he wasn't okay. The nursery school is downstairs, wonderful wow. teachers. Like I and I had this image, oh my God, he's probably like covered in blood. And I didn't want to say I was going through a divorce where you're not supposed to sound crazy, you know, because you can take custody from you. But I had to call the school. So I called the school and I said, hi, you know, it's Laura Day. Is Samson okay? And they said, oh, funny, you should call. He just bumped his head on a table and had a drop of blood and freaked out about it. And everything's under control now. We gave him cookies and, uh, you know, uh, I forget what that favorite superhero uh, Band-Aid and he's fine. But intuition was going to make sure if there was a problem with my child, I was going to know about it no matter how small. Mm. On the other hand, Intuition's bombarding you with stuff you don't need to know, and it's just making you anxious. You know, um, energy is infinite, but your attention isn't. So a really helpful exercise for moms intuitively is what are the things that are important to you? And literally write them down and make a list. And moms, I know you, I'm a mom. You need to be on that list. You need to be on that list. What is important to you? Because when you look, when you simplify that list to what's important to you, like when my son was little shaving my legs, not so important to me. Body maintenance, as long as I didn't smell, not so important to me. But having an hour to read a book, so important to me. That was my emotional currency, you know? So So make a list and that list is actually a target list for your intuition. And then notice the flow that you don't forget the tutu for ballet and that you don't forget, you know, I'm a big believer in, I still have, and I will show you um, my sloppy handwriting, but I still have a written schedule. Me too. (laughs) And, and, and I find, and, and certainly as a mother, I had one of those big ones and I wrote it down, but you can do the same thing for your attention. What are your goals this month? Not 10. You're a mother. You have time for one, maybe half, Mm -hmm. but what do you really need for you this month? What, what are your important things to pay attention to? And, and then the rest is gravy. You know what? If your kid misses ballet, your kid misses ballet. I know. Or if they're late, I'm always like, we have five minutes. You're going to be late for school. And it's like, she's in first grade. What happens? She's going to get a tardy and it's going to be reported to me. So it's like in the grand scheme of things, who are they going to, are they going to take her to jail? Is there jail time involved? And But I still hold myself to, she's late. But, but no. And here's the real, because, um, you know, the subconscious is running 87% of your show, right? So you've always got to negotiate with your subconscious. Here's the guilt mother subconscious trick. If you're super anxious, you're making your kids super anxious. And so when they're late on a wonderful project they've done and they're 30, they're not going to say, screw you, my employer. I've done this great project and I need a little extra time. They're going to think it's their fault. Remember, children are great mediums. They feel us. So it is really important. And this is a mistake I did make um, with my son who 
who is a perfectionist and very anxious because I was a perfectionist and had to do everything right and was very anxious. Makes him a great worker, but he's now learning himself and teaching me how to be a little more chill and value the fact that he's better than most of his colleagues so he can rest on his laurels every once in a while. Now, I will admit to my, my son had to be at school at nine. I got up at five. I woke him up at six. At nine, oh my God, we were always early, but that's, you know, it's it's so, see, those are the kinds of choices, um, those are the kinds of choices that we make on a daily basis. And I think that, that, um, that some of them that don't seem important are, like my father used to say, why are you dressing your six month old so beautifully? He doesn't know, like it's stupid. I'm like, yes, but every single person on the street stops and smiles and says red patent leather. And my baby thinks they're talking to him. (laughs) So, you know, it's there. You really can. I mean, I, first of all, yes, write things down, involve your children. You know, even a two and a half year old can be involved, usually by means of a food item. But, you know, involve your children in that responsibility. We're all bad parents because we all want to do better. We are all bad parents. And when a parent feels like a bad parent, I know they're a good parent. Yes. So, so I think realize that your children feel you. And so you taking care of you actually means a lot. There's a lot of, again, research on telepathy, on that people know when we're lying. They may not know, but something isn't right. Yeah. People know when we're in distress. You know, before I go, like I'm going to a premiere tonight, and my husband's a TV writer and a screenwriter, and I work a lot with this industry, and I want to be my best. You know how I prepare for it? I think, what am I pissed off about? What do I feel insecure about? What am I upset about? And maybe I have a good cry, or I beat a pillow, or I whatever, because I know people aren't seeing the smile. Oh, yeah. so good to see you. No, to meet you, because I can't remember. Have I met you? Have I seen you? Oh my God, <laughs> am I supposed to remember? But if I if I am in my good place, you know, which sometimes takes half a glass of wine, sometimes takes a good cry, mm-hmm. sometimes takes having just a bang out fight with my husband and then kissing and making up about things that have been bothering me for a week, whatever it is, I take my own emotional temperature and then I'm okay. And my intuition is free for the task set tasks. What is your positive goal for your children and your family for the week is your positive goal that you actually spend a little fa- good family time all as a family make that a goal intuition will say hey 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 no 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 forget the laundry forget the board game you know intuition's really interesting it's always active and if you learn to move with it in a positive way which you only can can actually experience if you set goals yeah. Because intuition otherwise is just lots more information, focused. which we already have. Yeah. And remember, the data can be wrong. Normal data, intuitive data is mostly right. You know, when I was young, hydrogenated fats were what we're supposed to be eating instead of olive oil. Mm. Yes. In the 60s, hydrogenated fats were what were recommended, margarine. 
And I knew as a child, instinctively, I did not like margarine and I wouldn't eat it. I'd rather have dry toast. I liked olive oil, which was not, not something that was common in the 60s in New York City. Um, but, you know, I I insisted I, on that that experience and, I'm, and I, you know, have great arteries because of it. <laughs> um, so, so set, set your goals and do your list of what's important okay. and what's important for the week. It may not be important next week. You may right. try it out. Wow. This is important. And then you say, Oh, wow, this really wasn't important. Also who's important yes. because I know that sounds awful, but there are a lot of, there's a hierarchy and it's really important. You need to be first on your hierarchy and intuitively also, because intuition will say, how can I take care of myself while getting my daughter to ballet on time? Mm. So that, once again, targeting your intuition. Um, how can I how, how can I really have family dinners and still time to shave my legs? You know, like you really, you do actually have the answers. And a lot of those answers don't come from inside of you because inside of you is God awful messy place. And that's true of all of us. A lot of times you'll notice a meal service that has a one week, whatever in the neighborhood on a poster three times. And instead of ignoring it, you'll say, oh, I'm going to do that seven day trial and then cancel because I don't <laughs> want to cook. You and know? it was right there, but your intention is set. So you see it. That's right. So I have this wonderful Deepak Chopra story. When I put oh. Deepak, he didn't believe it, that anyone could really predict the future. And and I really didn't believe, I have a, three generations of physicians. I really thought like all this alternative medicine was a little creepy. So we made a deal. Demi Moore put us together and we kind of made a deal. And I said, I'll predict for you, for your company and help you do some things you want. And he said, well, I'm going to help you put on some weight. So at the time, and this is the early 90s, at the time, common, common sense said healthy eating is raw food and salads. And the, he said, you need hot, sweet, fats, meat. Like he gave me this food list. Yeah. Magically, my health changed and I put on weight, which I had never been able to do. And I did my little bit for him and we're still friends and our families are friends. It worked for me. He also gave me a mantra. When I meditate, uh, it is 20 minutes of sheer anxiety that ends in literally no feeling in my hands and feet. That didn't work for me. Yeah, I still eat the way Deepak taught me to eat. Um, and I don't still don't meditate. My husband is a, you know, 40 year meditate. I still don't do that unless I'm so tired that I know my brain is gelatinous enough to be able to relax. Yes. I can't meditate, but like, let me suggest something to you. Yes. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this now back to squats and margaritas. When you don't notice things, often it's because you need your attention elsewhere. Uh -huh. And you said you're being evaluated for ADD. Yeah. Well, ADD is noticing too many things and not having that central organization. Wow. So 
perhaps just knowing that your brain works that way is allowing you to notice um, a lot of what we do. So how to rule the world from your couch is a textbook on how to be more intuitive, but it's also a textbook on how to be less intuitive because we're all getting a lot of intuition all of the time. And usually what we had to do that was inappropriate as children or neurologically where we had some kinks is what we continue to do not in our best interests. I always tell my students, love that you're empaths, martyrs are not healthy people. That's pathology, you mm. know? And and um, it's really, you know, I, uh, we... We often discover things when they when we need them, which is why we were talking about therapy off camera. Therapy can be really helpful. Therapy can also really not be helpful. I like the kind of therapy where you want to do something like you, you haven't ever been in a satisfying relationship. You want to be, be in love. So you bring up the pieces of your trauma or your experience that apply to your goal. Because a lot of it, you know, trauma is not the original trauma. Trauma are the habits that we put in place. Goals, what you want. Goals help you create new, new habits and engage intuition and also require discipline because of course our old patterning takes a while to learn a new pattern. You also spoke about spirit. I call spirit the blob. I want you to think of something. If you were, if an energy was omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, if an energy were perfect, what would it be doing? Not much. Yeah, true. <laughs> A human being. So pieces of that energy, because we spoke about the unified field. Each one of us is doing the hard work to evolve that unified field that we call spirit, which I call the blob. The we we spirituality is a multi-billion dollar industry. And you can create a name for anything, you know, sure. uh interneurological physiologic reprogramming. The reality is if you have a goal, you put one foot in front of the other. You know, sometimes it won't be easy, but the chunky, spiky parts are information that you need to work with because they are barriers to your goals. Mm -hmm. You will, you have intellect, intuition, and community to find those solutions. And you are responsible first and foremost for you. It will make you a better parent. It will make you a healthier person and you will telepathically transmit that very important lesson to your children. If you are aware of that, then what happens is not only do you respect your imperfect efforts, you know, that very overused song of the crack is where the light comes in. But um, I'm thinking in my mind selfish because you're a mom. So if you're putting yourself at the top, right. you feel like you shouldn't do that because you're a mom. Right. But if you don't put yourself at the top, you are not modeling well. But one of the things that is really helpful about people say, if you're intuitive, how can you be so forgiving? Because I'm actually really forgiving when people even stab me in the back. Mm -hmm. um, and I say, well, because I, I, I turn that on myself also. 
and realize what a selfish, nasty son of a bitch I can be sometimes. Mm -hmm. And if I hold everyone to my ideal standard for myself and everyone else, then I'm kind of alone. And one of the things that realizing that we evolve spirit and we do that for free, we're not a multi-billion dollar community is not a multi-billion dollar industry. If I see you and say, how can I help you? And let me ask you for help for me. If I see you as valuable and realizing you are elevating spirit for all of us, I am elevating spirit for you. You know, our, our mutual comfort is actually is what spirituality is. Spirituality is well-executed humanity. And the highest octave of that is well-executed community. And community is not easy because community requires you not to be a sicko martyr. Community requires you to remain yourself, get your needs filled. Parents, Mm. a family is a community. Remain yourself, get your needs filled while also being able to interface with others in a way that does the same for them. And to expect that from the people around you, your children, like your baby smiles at you sometimes when you're not doing anything. Your baby's giving that to you. Mm -hmm. Babies learn that early. You know, they learn not to bite your nipple. I mean, mine learned because I smacked his head every time I, (laughs) but you know, their reciprocity starts early, but it starts by your being aware of needs. And I think that there's a myth and I participated in this myth as a parent because I had a manic depressive mother who it was all about her needs and a very volatile, abusive, violent father, which was all about keeping things, you know, not violent. Yeah. But, you know, I did the opposite with my son in a way that was not healthy because my son actually had a lot to offer me, but I closed off that ability to receive a lot of it, which now as a 30 year old, he makes sure he gives that to me. You know, he's like, uh, no, ma, I actually make a great living. I don't need you to pay my plane ticket. I want to come and see you. I want to give this gift to you. And for me, it's like, oh my God. (laughs) Where do I go wrong? Um, So, so let your children set the table. Let your or and it doesn't have to be a chore. What do they enjoy? Do they enjoy putting the laundry in the machine? They do. Do They enjoy (laughs) hitting your head when you have a headache. You know that's healing. Let your children also be part of that reciprocity. Let them know how much it means to you when they get themselves ready for ballet or when they remind you that it's the day. Children are amazing. I mean, they're wild animals and they're parasites, let's be clear. But they're also amazingly competent at a very young age. And when we allow them to experience their purpose to us and their own competence, not only does it make our life easier, but we create children who feel safe. Yes. No? Beautiful. One of the very few things I did write in child raising was um, I was I the book, The Circle, which is my fourth of six books, is really about um, how to have a goal and create it in the world, what that dynamic is. And in the morning at breakfast, we had something we said kind of mantra like, but we meant it, which is what can I do for you to make this day better? 
And because we did it every day, like, you know, um, I would say you could remember to bring home your lunchbox. So I, because I love that lunchbox. Um, You know, my son would say, um, you could put me in a taxi to school so I have a little extra time um, instead of the train. Um, Like we would, it would wouldn't be like a little airy fairy mantra. It would be actually yeah. wow. What do I <laughs> to make? This, what do I need to make this uh, day better? You know, um, uh, often it involved foot massages, but and and it was real. It's really a great way. Just in general, like even with the teachers, when you go for parent teacher meetings, very few parents say you're doing a great job how can I be more useful to you at home? What message should I be sending my child to be a better part of this classroom? Like it's really important. And then you can say, um, my child needs to be next to their friend. They don't have a lot of friends in this class. Uh-huh. And I think they would be more comfortable. I know it's a it's a chatter issue, but I think they'd be more comfortable. Is there a way we could do that? Right. You know, you know, that kind of, and it's really interesting. When you give, for example, a teacher a target, wow, you know, little Johnny loves math and struggles with reading. Do you have any? Uh, competency books that you could send home with him that are special. I'd be happy to pay for them, but could we give him as a special gift? Because I've noticed that my son, when he feels special, will jump through hoops. You know, I think that, that it's really important to bring that reciprocity. And I do mean reciprocity because mamas, you're thinking, oh yeah, where can I give more? Nah, how can I make this situation a back and forth dynamic that's positive? You know, not where can I get more? And by the way, I think that sometimes those of us with partners, I know that I have a very nasty way of demanding change sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's not incredibly motivating. And I don't like me when I do it. And when you apply that same element of reciprocity to your partnership, because remember, children are wild animals and they are parasites. You and your partner, if you have one, and if you don't have one, find community partners. You know, I was single when I was pregnant. I've got to tell you, I had the best baby showers. I had more people rubbing coconut oil into my possible stretch mark and telling me I was still beautiful. You know, um, you're not a whale, you're pregnant, you know, like find it. It's yeah. But, but also create that that positive dialogue. And it's not always easy because just I, a nursery school teacher told me a great thing because the first nursery school conference I ever went to with my son, and once again, this is back when dinosaurs were on the earth, but mm-hmm. uh, I, the nursery school teacher was saying, yes, and he's so helpful. Not only does he put his own Lego away, but he helps other children. And I'm like, Samson? My like, child? Yeah. A child, right. one who comes home and starts screaming and throwing things and crying. And I said, that's actually, and never picks anything up. We had yeah. way too much domestic help when he was a child. I said, that's my child. And they said to me, the sign of a healthy child is that in the world, they keep it together. And then they unravel when they get home because that's a healthy home. You know, keeping all of that in a little, in a young ego, keeping that all together 
in public, in school, where they have to be functional Mm -hmm. is a lot of work. They don't have ego structures yet. Listen, it's hard for us and we're, you know. um, That was so necessary. My daughter, uh, she struggles with anxiety so much and comes home and just is a monster. And I'm like, what in the hell? And at school, when I was like, she's, I'm sorry, you know, she's kind of, I'm describing it. And they're like, not at all. She's the most pleasant. And I'm like, what? She's safe at home. That they couldn't even picture her acting that way. And I'm like, yeah, so you just made me feel she's a healthy child. <laughs> That's good. Good job, mama. Good job. And by the way, you know what that tells you? What? For she is forming a more solid ego structure that you need to find ways that she can appropriately fall apart or take yes. a break during her school day, okay. during a party when someone makes her feel a little jealous. Like what do like? What what can she do to do an acceptable version of that? Yes. Go into the bathroom and stop her feet a little. Or like but, regulate back down so it doesn't go to a 10 and then an eruption. Right. But what so so you yeah. know if you have an anxious child, yes, that there are things that 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 she can do. I, I really recommend, I mean, in my son's day, it was um these little machines with earphones, but now they have things with music on them. I, I should know the words for this, but, uh, you know, she may, she may need like her favorite little, like funny story on something that she can just go to the bathroom and it's three minutes and take a breath, that. listen to it with a little snack. Do you know what I'm I saying? Like that. create, create breaks, let her know she's the ang- master of the anxiety. The anxiety is not the master of her and anxiety doesn't come out of nowhere. Sometimes some we all get triggered and you know, it's different for each person and boys are harder because their executive function. I mean, boys, whoa, but, um, but you, one you of know, those two. <laughs> right. But you know what, for boys, it's great to teach them. And I mean, Everyone's so sensitive about gender. I work with a a neurologist. There are male brains and female brains. Female brains have more connection between the two hemispheres. A male can have a female brain without without being female and without identifying. But but you know, if you have an energetic testosterone child, teaching them to go into the bathroom and do 20 breathy push-ups when they feel uncomfortable, not when they're about to explode. Because we, I think with children, we make it way too much about behavior. And the fact of the matter, children are intuitive sponges. So you may have a sponge who is picking up someone else's anger and feeling uncomfortable. And the uncomfortable should be the target. When you're uncomfortable, forget the blowing up, blow up. If you're uncomfortable, better than holding it in your body and getting a chronic illness. When you're uncomfortable, how do you know you're uncomfortable? Okay, here's something you can do. You can hold your breath to the count of eight and let it out to the count of eight. And then your superpower juice will come through you. Like you can find ways without making the child and what they need to do bad. They're not formed. I mean, I, I think we socialize our children in a rigid way a little early, you know, and it's because we're understaffed in schools. And I really, you know, boy, I, I did not bring teachers cookies when I had a good year and could afford it. I gave teachers big gift certificates yeah. you know, because that's a big job and it does affect, you know, like 
using your intuition to know what does this teacher need from me? Yes. Oh, in what is where they put extra effort in that I may not know about that I might be able to notice intuitively. You're amazing. You have wonderful things happen to you because you put that out. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.